Well, the drama was always going to intensify as we close in on the CAF elections. Now, I think we can count a couple of days away in Rabat, Morocco. There's also been a little bit of good news as well for Patrice Mutsepe with the rumored deal that was spoken about yesterday, being brokered with the other candidates. But there's still the lingering issue of the incumbent, Ahmed Ahmed. Uh, which will surely have him looking over his shoulder every single bit of the way. Now, we heard in January that uh, Kaz uh, will hear his case at the beginning of this month and possibly allow him to make a late entree into the horse race that is currently underway. And you'll remember as well that he was also banned for five years uh, last year by FIFA, but that ban was itself suspended, uh, which was basically allowing him to resume his CAF presidential duties. Now, it's a complicated and a very complex situation. And we've all been waiting with bated breath to find out exactly what the latest is. And um, I know he's been tracking this, Piers Edwards. He, he joins us now live from London. Uh, that's the BBC World TV presenter and also reporter uh, specializing on the African continent. Piers Edwards, uh, good to have you on the show. Good evening. Good evening, Robert. How are you doing? Oh, I don't even know where to begin, Piers. There's so much happening around us in the, in the world of football. Crazy. Crazily busy, especially if you follow the CAF elections. We're going to get to that in a second, and I, I would love to engage you. We had a very lengthy conversation yesterday uh, with Francis around all of this, but uh, I want your perspective as well. Let's get down to the meat of this Ahmed Ahmed Kaz hearing. I know that it's been underway. What is mm. the latest, and what can we expect? Um, what can we expect? Good question. I, I think, um, to be honest, it is still, uh, as I understand it, just recently, they, they were still going it, it was meant to last uh expected to last about a day and a half um i understand that the yamad team have called in um over a dozen uh uh, uh witnesses for the defense effectively and so the talks have been going on for for quite some time fifa bolstered their legal team last week as i understand it bringing in one of their best lawyers for the case um it's very important for them that obviously that they do not lose this case um because effectively, if they did, uh, their whole ethics committee would have to come under some sort of um, scrutiny, given the fact that they, they banned Ahmed for five years. Many people thought it was, it was a lenient sentence in many ways. And so if they were to be found and that uh, his, his uh, five-year ban should be annulled, well, it would be quite remarkable and obviously ask serious questions of FIFA ethics committee, as said. But listen, they're going to be wrapping up soon, as I understand it. Um, and I think the earliest we can expect some sort of a verdict is going to be Friday because it will obviously take a fair amount of time to write up the decision before then releasing it to the various parties. Is it true, though, Piers, that whatever the outcome is, that there would be a possibility for Ahmed Ahmed to still be in the race. Is, is that part and parcel of why this has been a race against time? And then, well, obviously, if they, if, they can, if they uphold the ban or, or sections of it, then um, he, he's, he's definitely out of the race. Um, I believe that uh, if there is going to be any movement, I think, you know, uh, speaking to some lawyers and they consider that a reduced sentence is, is probably the most likely outcome. For example, the offering and receiving of gifts 
carries a minimum one-year ban. Now, given that that happened in relation to the uh, the trip involving all the Muslim presidents of the African FAs who went to Saudi Arabia as, as sponsored by Ahmad Parley in May 2018, well, one would imagine that that should be a slam dunk uh, for FIFA, in, in which case Ahmad will be ruled out of the race. Um, we await and see. It, it would be I, I would be absolutely stunned, I must be honest, if he was found um, uh, to be innocent of all the charges against him, and he could indeed uh, contest the ballot on the 12th of March. I, that would be wholly unexpected. But let's not rule it out. Let, let's find out what the Court of Arbitration for Sport thinks, of course. Yeah, and all of this is being conducted behind closed doors, I would imagine, up until such time as they come public uh, with the outcome. Absolutely, very much so. And um, the hearings at the moment at the Court of Arbitration for Sport are being done by video link because of COVID. Um, so, I mean, some people will be privy to it. It would be fascinating to be a fly on the wall <laughs> to yeah. hear exactly well, what they are saying because there are lots of accusations against Ahmad, and while some of them are very strong, uh, having read some of the FIFA file, you do wonder if they got that investigation absolutely correct. So I imagine the, the legal team for Ahmad are, are fighting their corner. And with this very strong legal team that you've just alluded to that CAF are bringing forward, is it, Piers, a case of a one-person issue here, or is it collectively with CAF? In other words, what I'm trying to say is that is, is it CAF as a whole that would want Ahmed to be seen to be in a better light than what FIFA painted him as? Or is it a case of Ahmed with the powers that he has and bestowed upon him by CAF able to get the best lawyers and the lawyers then to deal with his issue as an individual? Oh, no, no. It's very much about Ahmad himself. Uh, it, it's him and it's his team and it's his legal fight. No, I, I do not believe that he's necessarily being backed by CAF. No, um, no, not at all. CAF would want the kind of change that CAF is seeking uh, when it comes to the 12th of March, which I would imagine. (laughs) You've been watching this and um, fascinating. Uh, We heard, you know, for the first time really publicly as as a country, as a continent, and I'm sure as the world, uh, the pronouncements that were made uh, by Patrice Matsipa, Dr. Patrice Matsipa, who is the one candidate that everybody says, well, the doors have been opened for him as the preferred candidate from uh, the likes of Gianni Infantino, the president of uh, FIFA. What's your independent reading of what's happening? It is, as you say, absolutely fascinating. Um, And Motsepe, well, we have you know, there are lots of rumours, aren't there, that he's being backed by FIFA. There's been lots of reports about talks that went on in the weekend in the Moroccan capital, Rabat, amongst the four current candidates, not just Mosepe, but a numer of Ivory Coast and Senghor of Senegal and Ahmed Yaya of Mauritania, and this supposed deal that has been done that effectively anoints Motsepe as the president, and uh, with two of the other three taking vice presidential roles. Uh, there is a school of thought that says that that deal will be wrapped up in Mauritania um, over the weekend that's coming up um, as the country hosts the uh, final of the under-20 African uh, championships. Uh, we wait and see. But there seems to be an increasing uh, groundswell of opinion that is um, uh, rejecting the, uh, the, the perceived interference of FIFA in African football matters and asking questions about why this should be happening. Um, And as long as there's another name on the ballot that isn't Motsepe, I think it could be a very, very interesting election. As I understand it, Jacques Anouma is is the one who is is holding firm. 
You know, he, he's a he's a he's a guy from the Issa Hayatu era. Uh, uh, Issa Hayatu's people didn't really bow down to FIFA. If anything, they made a point of not doing so. And uh, Anuma seems to still have something of that attitude. I mean, there are talks going on at very high levels involving heads of state, as I understand it, about uh, which candidates should be doing what. I think there are talks today going on in Burkina Faso involving some of the delegates from, uh, well, Senghor and um, and, uh, and Anuma, their representatives there discussing. So it, it's really all to play for. You know, the, the deal that, that we heard about from the weekend is, is intriguing. And, and now we have to see whether that deal is going to be accepted or if somebody is going to stand up and fight. Now, if they're going to stand up and fight, they would have to have most of the African countries obviously vote for them as well. We've seen in the past that Africa tends to vote as per the desires of FIFA. Now, the question is, you know, will the continent be brave enough to stand up to FIFA on this occasion, assuming that FIFA has backed uh, Patrice Motsepe. Um And that's what we wait and see. It, it, and if there are two names on the ballot on the 12th and we do go to an, a proper election, it, it will be really, really interesting to see what the voting comes out as. Is that something practical from your learnings and, and your extensive work, uh, Piers, within the African continent, uh, whether on the field of play or in the boardroom, as it always seems to be more intriguing there sometimes than what's happening on the field of play? But is this something practical? Yes, we, we, we know that uh, the Mauritanian uh, Yaya is seen as a, a younger person, somebody who in the future could be called on to uh, assume the role of leadership. So rather than be seen to be wasting a vote for him, rather just accept a position, uh, you know, as a vice or a deputy president uh, in, in, in that regard. And also from a Sango part, yes, uh, from an Ivory Coast perspective, Piers, I wouldn't imagine uh, that uh, Jacques Anuma would go with something like this. But from Sango and Yaya's side, I mean, is that something feasible for them? Well, as in that they'll be, um, be, be sort of on hold and, and rise up to a bigger position in the future. Absolutely. I don't think so, personally. I mean, you, you, you know, look at the, the, the vice presidents we've had in recent times. I mean, I'm sure Danny Jordan, who you'll know well, would wish to get the top job. We, we had Constant Amari in there. We had Pinnock in there. You know, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous role, the vice presidency of, of CAF, and it comes with absolutely no guarantees whatsoever. Um, there does seem to be a lot of puppeteering, a lot of uh, uh, um, votes being discussed, horse trading effectively. I, I personally, if I was one of those candidates, I wouldn't settle for anything like that because you have no idea what's going to happen in the future. This is your chance to run. If I were them, I would I would stick the name on the ballot and, and try their luck. I, I don't think you've got too much to lose. Otherwise, you're still going to be head of your federation and you may well still be part of the FIFA, I'm sorry, the CAF executive committee in any place. So I, I, I think they should stick to their guns and, and, and let's see what happens, frankly. Yeah. What would you, in, in your assessment again, Piers, see Eugene Infantino being favorable towards Dr. Patrice Matipa. What is it to gain from his side as the president of FIFA? It depends how uh, Machiavellian you want to be. <laughs> Let's I go for it. Thing that we, 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 I think one thing that we, um, we should certainly concentrate on is, is Gianni Infantino's desire for a Club World Cup expansion. And Let's obviously not forget that Patrice Motsepe is the owner of one of the biggest and most successful clubs in Africa in the shape of Mamaleoti Sundowns, African champions not so long ago. And we keep on hearing Gianni Infantino talking about the African Super League. It first came up 
around about Christmas 2019, uh, give or take one month. I can't quite remember which. And then it went quiet for a very, very long time when the uh, the, the FIFA joint working relationship with CAF ended in, in early 2020. Then before the General Assembly of CAF in December this this uh, December 2020, uh, Infantino appeared again, and suddenly the, the African Super League was raised again. Well, clearly, if you're going to have an African Super League, you're going to have stronger teams playing across the continent with lots of money. We're, we're constantly hearing that this Super League is going, to, is going to generate millions of dollars. Stronger African teams ultimately mean a stronger Club World Cup for FIFA, which seems to be the baby of Gianni Infantino. And uh, therefore, a large part of me believes that it plays very much to FIFA's benefit if they have a club owner who they could work closely with, who is the CAF president, and uh, and therefore they could shape things in the direction that they want to go. An important point you raise, Piers. Now, here is my counter to that. I said to Francis even yesterday that the one thing that we have so much of on the continent is European football for example, whether that's UEFA Champions League or Europa League, there's a whole lot of that. At the expense of what we could be having with a CAF Confed Cup, with a CAF Champions League, we hardly ever see that. So if you have an expansion of a new tournament on the continent as well, and yet we're struggling with TV rights, broadcast rights within the continent as it stands, what then would they be the answer to overcoming that because the sponsors would want exposure. They'd want TV time. They would want their brands to be out there. Now, if we're failing now, what's the likelihood of us succeeding then? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point. Um, they, they've got to find different days in the calendar, don't they, Cass, to show their Champions League matches. I think it wasn't so long ago. Was it 2020 or 2019? Probably 2019 when I think they, they scheduled the um, the Champions League final on the very same day as the European Champions League final. Yeah. Well, that's obviously not going to bring in uh, the audiences as we know. Then there were attempts to start playing matches on a Friday night so that they could uh, gather the uh, the views or, or the audience figures from across the continent so they're not competing with the big European leagues. We all know how popular European football is across the world, not just in Africa. So it is a major, major challenge for Cathy. You're going to have to, to throw, I'd imagine, an awful lot of money at it if it's going to make it work. But what's going to make it work? You're going to have to have full stadiums. You're going to have to have a buzz. You're going to have to have excellent TV coverage. You're going to have to have so many things in place, not least of all affordable tickets, to make the product look good. You know, if you've got big stadiums which are barely filled, how's that going to be a good product for the, for the, for the not just CAF to sell, but for the sponsors to want to be interested in, etc., etc. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a massive, massive challenge, and I don't think it's very easy at all. It's obviously easy to talk about it, but it's not so easy for the rest of it. But there, I think there are some laudable ideas and aims behind the plan in, in terms of hoping to keep some African talent on the continent. But realistically, how likely is that to succeed? And if it were to succeed, how long is the process going to take whereby African footballers are want, going to want to stay in uh, across the continent and not just in places like South Africa and, and Egypt where they get well paid, but all over the continent and, and earn a decent living um, and not be tempted by the bright lights and big wages of European football. I think it's a, it's a massive ask. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, South Africa, in a way, fails because, as you'd rightfully know, appears from, from your side with the 2010 FIFA World Cup here in South Africa, beautiful stadia that were put up, um, the stadia down in Cape Town, 
It doesn't see much football these days. In fact, the Stormers, Western Province rugby has now officially moved in. Um, in recent time, we've been seeing more Sevens rugby happening in that same venue. And yet that was a venue uh, that met a lot of resistance in terms of its construction just before the 2010 FIFA World Cup uh, from some of the residents. But now it's all celebrations and popping champagne because life is going to be beautiful. Rugby is going to be moving in <laughs> and our football uh, gets to be shunted out and to look for different venues. And I can go on and on in terms of that trend. And it is disturbing. Yeah, it, it, well, well, as you say, it is disturbing. And let's not forget that at some recent Nations Cups, I'm thinking about, I think, Gabon in 2017, where they played in smaller stadiums, CAF afterwards came out and said that they were, you know, perhaps it was an idea for the future to make sure that the games were played in smaller stadiums in future. Because when you have two neutral teams playing and in a stadium that held, I don't know, a little over 10,000 and the stadium looked full, it looked better on TV. And, and that was something I remember the CAF Secretary General at the time, Hisham Adam Rani, coming out with. So, it's a, you know, everything needs to be done together, doesn't it? And yes, yeah. you'll get good crowds in North Africa, I, I would have thought. Will you get good crowds across the rest of the continent? If you let the fans in for free and, and the TV money can pay for it, then great. But you're going to need to have a very good uh, backer behind it. You're going to have to have an excellent marketing. And they're really going to have to throw money at the problem and have it as a loss leader for a few years before it can start to make money. Because the only money you're really going to make is from the sponsorship. All right, before and, I get to it, yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry about that, yeah, I was, was going to say that before I get to a tweet that I want to read out, l let's quickly deal with the character of the man that we've been chatting about in, in Gianni Infantino. One of the things that have been raised, and Francis raised it again yesterday, was to say be careful of the individual himself because he was the same person who was there to back Ahmed Ahmed. And then in the end, Ahmed is left to what we are seeing now playing itself out, that once he gets his way, you are in most likelihood going to be left alone once whatever he wanted has been achieved. What's the likelihood now in dealing with somebody of a, a different profile, of a higher profile, of a, I think what Patrice said during that press conference was that, I mean, he does business with over, what, 42 countries on the African continent and obviously has a global appeal. We've seen him in Davos, etc. cetera. Uh, he's, he's shared a table and a stage with the former president of the U.S., uh, uh, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, you did with somebody like that. Would it be in all likelihood possible for him to pull an Ahmed on a Patrice? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Of course it will. I think things change very, very quickly. It, it, I think it really depends on the behavior of um, Patrice Motsete in charge of CAF, should he get there, of course. And I, I, incidentally, I'd love to know your views on what you think uh, he would make as a, as a CAF president. But certainly, Ahmad, yes, was, was heavily backed by... Um, by, by FIFA in the run-up to the 2017 elections when the, basically the mantra was Issa Hayatu must, must fall and Ahmad came in and he certainly received help to, you know, from, from Infantino and others to, to, to get elected. But then midway through, things began to go wrong, as we know, with, with the various trials and tribulations which he's appealing today. Uh, the deal, of course, with the French company Tactical Steel and, and some of the other matters as well, and at which point the tide began to turn. I think the tide certainly turned. You, you've got to go back to, what was it, 2018, when um, when Infantino was addressing a congress in, in Paris and, and then ex 
and proudly proclaimed that he had cleaned up football and FIFA under him was a completely different beast and not like the old regime. And then 24 hours later, Ahmad was taken into the questioning by French uh, police authorities about uh, the, the tactical steel deal. Now, that really didn't suit Gianni Infantino, who does not like uh, to look bad. He very much looks, likes to look good. Um, and that really didn't suit the narrative. And it wasn't long after that FIFA uh, effectively took over the Confederation of African Football in a unique and unprecedented move. As I understand it, they wanted to stay on uh, with CAF uh, before they were effectively voted out in January, February of last year because uh, they feel that they've got work to do. They've got unfinished work to do. Um, and so there, there's definitely... Uh, great plans from FIFA for African football to, to fall in line in, in a way in which it would never do with European football, UEFA, for example. And it's, and it's uh, intriguing to watch it. And it's just amazing that um, FIFA can go around and, and rule the continent in many ways in the way in which it does. There are various tools at their disposal, not too many of them. But normalization committees taking charge of a federation is one. Ethics cases, of course, are another. And um, as I'm sure Francis may have referenced, if, as, assuming you're talking about Francis Gaito, um, these things are often um, held and, and used to, to in, a, in a bid to persuade people, hopefully, to, to do what, what FIFA would like them to do or to follow suit and, and play ball effectively. So it's a dangerous game. Um, Motsepe is, is not an administrator, though, he, as, as you'll tell me. He, he, he's a man who runs big businesses. So, so how on earth is he going to get on running CAF? Uh, I think I'm correct in saying that he said that his wife would take charge of his business and his son would take charge of his football club. But you can tell me, is that yeah. exactly what's going to happen? How's it going to yeah. work? Is he going to want to be in Cairo at all time? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, they're not going to be moving the headquarters like he, he said when the press conference started moving from uh, from Cairo to Johannesburg. So that's a first stop. Uh, but he, he also says that he doesn't really have to always be in Egypt to be able to run. He wants to interact with all of the uh, FA presidents and find out from them firsthand and try and touch base with most of the African countries and hear it firsthand, which would be something pretty much unprecedented uh, uh, to find out. Maybe in a new style of leadership is, is what he's looking at. So if you're doing business with 42 uh, nations, then it's quite easy. You know, you've been seeing with the campaigning happening within private jets and so on uh, to, to cover all of those and extend the fact that, hi, I'm the CAF president, I'm here to see your FA, what is it that we can do? And remember, as part of that, Piers, there's the whole element of wanting to implement um, VAR. Now, VAR and its direction and its future, I don't know. I mean, I hear every single time I'm trying to watch an English uh, premiership game, there's very little of the game that is ever spoken, but it's about the millimeters of the person's kneecap that is being discussed as to whether it was offside or not offside. And it's just kind of taken away the glory of the game when a goal is scored do you celebrate do you sit for a couple of minutes you know pocket on the side and then you celebrate and get given the thumbs up so i don't know within the african continent that doesn't have as much facilities that has to have a certain type of rigging for a scaffolding and to align the cameras there and if there is no electricity and the one game doesn't happen and there's just so many different dynamics that are not experienced anywhere else in the world now never mind the application of var or goal line technology 
would that be something feasible? So I think the problems are there for him to deal with. And like you say, is he an administrator? No, he's not. He's somebody who does business and somebody that travels, somebody that makes sure that uh, there's a global appeal in terms of all the products that he has. And I am sure that he can deliver a fresh beginning for CAF. And CAF can take a Mm. different direction in terms of its application and maybe just the image that it's had worldwide. I think he can make a, a shift in terms of that. But what kind of support will he have? That's the kind of question that, you know, I would want to ask him directly if ever we speak to him before the 12th. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and listen, if you go back to his manifesto, there's a lot in there that would tally with a lot of what FIFA has said over the last um, few years as well. I, I don't quite get the, the focus on VAR. As you say, it's very expensive. Uh, it, its efficacy is debatable in any case. And, and like you say, it's largely ruined the flow of watching uh, football in many countries around the world, particularly mine, England. And um, and are they getting all the decisions right? No. Are they cure- clearing up the problems? Mm, not really. And, and these dotted lines kill everybody. It's not exactly clear and obvious. But if you go to the manifesto of Mozzepe, statutory reforms of CAF, well, that's a big one for FIFA. Partnership mm. with FIFA and other continental, uh, continental governing bodies is another one. Um, that's in line with, with, with the, the main three frames. Developing women's football is often a, uh, always mentioned. Sorry, Piers, um, let, let me just quickly cut in here, not because I don't want to hear what you're saying. i just got to take a quick spot break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up. Piers Edwards, BBC World TV presenter and reporter. Marawa Sports Worldwide. The independent football professional journalist, that's uh, Francis Gaitho on the line. Gianni has uh, a habit of using and dumping individuals once he's had enough of them. Uh, how sure are South Africans that this is not the case, that Motsepe is being set up to be used and dumped? Maybe Motsepe is being set up to fail uh, so that uh, another candidate can be propped up later. Remember that Gianni Infantino always has bait on somebody. Right now he knows that there were concerns about uh, Patrice Motsepe. Seppel's 50th anniversary celebrations that he invited at three presidents that that constitutes to bribery and uh, awarding gifts. The day when Motsepe shows even a flair of independence, he knows he can capture uh, Motsepe with that particular line. The man who always feed us sport from Monday to Friday. Uh, this is Mkulisa Matengwana in the Western Cape. Robert, uh, I'm, so, I'm so worried about this CAF president, Malibut. You see this guy, just you have mentioned now, all of these uh, allegations has been suspended by FIFA. Now he can contest again or he can attend the, the, the CAF duties. Uh, I foresee Petrus Motsepe can win there. The reason why, and I suspect, uh, and uh, um, I like what Mama Duke says uh, because uh, most federation in Africa, they don't recognize Petrus Motsepe. Petrus Motsepe, he, he must stay there in business sector. Yes, I know football is business, but I foresee if he can win this Matliputu. Africa is almost 53 states or 52 states, but what I know, the Northern Hemisphere part in Africa, they don't recognize South Africa. But I know the Sadek region, they, they can vote for him. The Western Africa and the Eastern Africa and the middle 
upstairs, I don't think they're gonna give us, uh, they're not gonna give our icon Bethos Machepe to be the president of Kiev. But we'll be there on air. You will give us the full info what's happening in Cairo. But I don't think so. Rob. I don't think so. I uh, uh, I support you, Mama Duke. I don't think so, Matlibut. But you will tell us. You will tell us. Thank you, Rob. Good evening, uh, Mr. Marao. Uh, Mr. Marao, there will be a lot of controversy going to the CAF uh, elections, but uh, let's support our own Mr. Petrus Motsepe and hope that he will win uh, the election. I have, uh, f- I'm full confident that with the support that he will get from other countries, our neighbors, he will be crowned uh, as the CAF president. Thank you, Mr. Morel. Good evening, Rob, and good evening to the listeners. Look, Rob, um, as you put it correctly, we have so much of Europe in Africa. You know, Europeans have made a lot of money out of us Africans. We watch so much of them, you know, so much of their football, you know, but we can't watch our own football, our own African things. You know, we can't make money for our, out of our own football. You know, so it's, it's quite disturbing, you know. Uh, you know, I was hoping that Mutsepe maybe would come in and uh, he, makes, he might shake things up, you know, we might see more of our African football on our TV screens. But with Infantino in the mix, I don't think so, because you know very well that he, he does everything to the benefit of Europe. So I don't think, I don't see anything uh, that's going to change, actually, for the betterment of African football. Thanks, Rob. All right. Thanks so much for all of those uh, voice notes, uh, differing views that are coming through. We're currently chatting to BBC World TV presenter and also reporter, uh, focuses a great deal on the African continent. That's uh, Piers Edwards. Thank you so much for your patience, uh, Piers. Um, had to pay the bills there, my friend. Uh, just gauging <laughs> from, from what a lot of the listeners are saying. I mean, they remain confident. I think the last voice note almost indicates to say, I hope there is no fascination with European product once there is a new administration within CAF so that the local product, which is the continental product, can itself gain the kind of traction and the kind of energy and maybe the kind of profile that has made UEFA what it is today. Well, absolutely. Um, but I think you're always going to have the same old problems, aren't you? Which is the fact that the European football has, has a massive head start in, in terms of development and sophistication on um, many other confederations around the world, particularly Africa. And uh, can they catch up in time? That, that's the problem. You've, you've got a very sophisticated product in Europe. You've got a very sophisticated marketing. You've got excellent stadiums, always filled, et cetera, et cetera. How long is it going to take for Africa to, to, to be able to compete with that and to provide a product that is as good as, as the Champions League, which for, for many fans in their minds is better than something like the World Cup, say? It is a it is a big it's a big task and a big ask. But whoever wins the elections on the twelfth of March has got a huge job in in turning African football around in the right way, and um, and in developing it and leading it and 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 taking the continental game into into the right path for the future. It's a huge job. Uh, Isahatu reigns for what thirty years. Uh, Ahmad has lasted four. I think uh, most uh, people watching would agree that um, the, hate, the, the changes haven't been huge. I know that the Ahmad camp will say that they have made some important structural changes. Um, the introduction of the women's competition, which is coming, obviously, and, and there are various um, things that he, he fully addressed and tried to tackle. But, but there's so many issues to raise, and, um, 
and it's a big job for one confederation to do. And um, and CAF can't do it itself. It, it's got to receive proper support from the federations in the individual countries. We've also got to do the right things in terms of developing stadiums and all that sort of stuff, which, if it doesn't happen, is, is going to ultimately reflect badly on CAF when we're talking about the TV pictures showing the games and all the rest of it. Everybody's got to be on board and pulling in the right direction, and I'm just not sure that's going to happen. The tweet that I was speaking about earlier, that's from Spiwo, who says, I don't want to sound like a party pooper in this CAF presidential campaign, but I just hope that there won't be surprises. The way the lobbying is being carried out by the candidates may just have comebacks. We don't want another story of $10 million donation to the diaspora. So that's what African football has become, Piers, and this is a reality. And that is why I, I fully agree with Spiwa, I fully agree with the sentiments to say that we've been painted in a certain direction um, where corruption is, is, is key. And if you just pop a 10 million US dollars in a certain way, that uh, it might sway a vote one way or the other. Well, I, yes, I, I, I hear what you're talking about and I know what you're talking about. I don't think um, African football fans should be overly harsh on their own continent because I think corruption in football is, is frankly a worldwide problem and um, despite all the efforts to, to introduce uh, greater transparency, greater governance uh, I think a lot of the things that have happened in the past will still go on and it's just whether people can prove them or not I mean the FBI as we know got involved uh, with all the cases in which over 40 individuals from the Americas were indicted um, but that was because uh, the FBI took action. But have we seen that same level of determination and desire to to cure the ills of football, to clean up the game from, I don't know, bodies like FIFA itself? It is hard. If you, if you look at ethics cases, FIFA's ethics cases are permanently going on. The Court of Arbitration for Sport constantly hearing cases. It is a nonstop job. Um, it is no easy task. And uh, I'm afraid to say, I'm sure you'll agree with me, we're never going to wipe out corruption from football. It's just about trying to keep a lid on it. Uh, I'm sure one school of thought is going to say that Patrice Motsepe has got so much money, he's not going to in, in get himself uh, caught up in anything like we saw under the Ahmad regime, where, of course, he was accused of uh, misappropriating funds by FIFA, which he's obviously appealing today at the Court of Arbitration for Sports. But uh, that's, that's one sort of uh, easy... Um, broad brush, isn't it, that if you've got the money, you're, you're hopefully going to behave in a, in a better way and, and act for the good of the organization rather than the betterment of yourself financially, if that makes sense. Yeah. Piers, always such a great pleasure chatting to you. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I know, I know that the stories aren't going to be dying down anytime soon. We still have an election to cover and look at whether... It is the politics building up to it or the actual election itself. It's great now that there's going to be certain media allowed after <laughs> the decision. It was saying that it's not going to happen. Uh, but quickly, when was it? Was it last night where that decision kind of got a more favorable one for the media? Which for me really seemed and sounded strange that you would have a complete blackout of the physical presence of world media. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree with you more. Um you're going to have no media, and then a few hours later, after must, what must have been a, a furore among many African journalists and, and, sure. and complaining and asking questions, it's suddenly overturned. It just doesn't read right. Either there are COVID restrictions or they're not. So that one didn't seem to, to, to play out brilliantly uh, on behalf of CAF, but I think it's obviously very good that the media are there. Um, 
who knows what it'll be like. It won't be, be similar to any election in the past, given, I guess, the access to many of the candidates, given the COVID restrictions, but we shall see. Uh, either way, uh, the vote on the 12th is going to be absolutely key to the future of African football, and it'll be absolutely fascinating to, to see what happens at the moment. As we know, it's looking like a, a Motsepe procession, but um, a lot can change in the next uh, eight, nine days. And who knows what will happen if Ahmad gets <laughs> readmitted to the race. That will shake up the dynamic already because it's already happened once before when his ban was suspended and that, and that came as a huge surprise to many. I remember writing a story for the BBC and I had sort of high people in cast saying, are you sure you've understood this? It can't be right. And that came as a huge surprise to them. Do we have another in store before the elections take place? Oh. All right, South Africa and the continent and the world. Let's follow this man, Piers Edwards. If you want good value uh, as far as what you do on Twitter, uh, simply follow him at uh, Piers underscore E. So that's P-I-E-R-S underscore E. That's Piers Edwards. Uh, let's get him on 10,000 and more followers. He, he deserves it because of the, the quality of work that he produces on a daily basis and has access to uh, so many exclusives as well. Uh, always thoroughly enjoyed your read. That's a BBC World TV presenter, Africa, reporter, blogger, commentator, former CNN writer, global, talk sports every single time, especially football. You've spoken to us today exclusively on Football Peers, and we've loved it. Thank you for the perspective. Thanks again uh, for the great insight in terms of what's happening on the continent. Well, thank you very much as well, Robert. Thank you for, for your time, lots of it, and thanks for the plug. I, I think I, I don't need a new PR person. <laughs> oh, you, you, you know how it is. The, the thing is, there's so much nonsense, Piers, that is out there in the world and fake news that when you have credible journalists like yourself who tell it the way it is and give interesting you know, personal opinions, but also just give proper reports. Uh, we, we've got to applaud you for that. And that's exactly what I've seen through the years with your work. And, and, and keep well, up the, the same. Work. The same to you, Robert. We won't nauseate the, the readers with the, or listeners with the loving, but, but the same to you. And listen, thanks very much for my time. And uh, we thanks. follow with interest. Will a South African be in charge in, uh, in 10 days' time? <laughs> that's a big, big question indeed. Cheers, Edwards. That's a that you'll love to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much indeed. A positive note uh, to end that conversation with. Uh, so that's a. Uh, uh, peers underscore E. I mean, you heard from the conversation. It's, it's, it's thorough. You don't want to hear gossip and rumors and all sorts of funny things that at times uh, do take center stage. So I'll also get to some of your tweets. There's plenty still to cover right here on the Wednesday edition. Uh, the football edition of Marawa Sports Worldwide doesn't look like anybody's keen to score on the domestic premiership side. Uh, Chipper United having played out a 0-0 draw against uh, Cape Town City. And as it stands, uh, it's into referee's optional time in Golden Arrows and Baraka game. And that game also still 0-0. Marawa Sports Worldwide. The independent football professional journalist, that's uh, Francis Gaitho on the line. The election of a new president of CAF. Is it an election like any other election? The stakes are high. People are campaigning with private jets. Everything is unprecedented. Clearly, this is a script uh, written by Gianni Infantino. I think we first started getting a hint of their close proximity during the World Economic Forum in Davos. They were seen together with President Trump. We didn't initially put two and two together. Gianni Infantino, previously, he's...
support of uh, Motsepe was very hidden and covert, but after his uh, supposed meeting with uh, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, he escalated his support. He immediately had Morocco FA convene the other candidates to offer what is now being called the Rabat Protocol. Good day, Rob. Uh, Rob, if Infantino is behind Mutsepe's election as CAF president, and, and, and with Infantino having more to gain, uh, I, I just wonder how is that going to benefit uh, our continent, Rob, as we are the ones who are lagging behind in terms of development in the sport of soccer, Rob. Especially, Rob, even now that you have raised the issues of television rights, now that we cannot see uh, Chiefs when it's playing in Africa uh, or, 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 or Sundowns when it's playing in Africa. So I'm not sure how is this election going to benefit us more uh, in, in versus how is it going to benefit in Fatino. Thank you, Rob. from uh, Good evening, Rob. This is Donald from Krill. Well, I, I completely agree with your guest. I don't understand the skepticism and the cynicism surrounding this current CAF presidential election, especially with regards to our own Petrus Mutsibe. Because as far as I'm concerned, Petrus Mutsibe is no child. And... Petrus Musibe has been in business for literally all his life. And in the business world is a dog-eat-dog world. So Petrus Musibe knows how to manage himself, how to carry himself out, himself out. So I don't understand why people are so scared that he this uh, whole thing is going to consume him and stuff like that. Quite frankly, corruption in football is a norm. It is widespread. It's not only a problem here in Africa. Why are we so concerned? Uh, Rob, it's Taboko here. Yeah, Rob, I have no doubt that uh, Dr. Patrice Mutsepe will make uh, a good uh, CAF president and he will be able to advance football development in the continent. I'm just concerned about the manner in which uh, 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 these elections are going to be uh, carried out. Uh, that might uh, uh, compromise the credibility of his uh, leadership as well, Rob. And I just want to find out uh, where is the CAF's uh, uh, code of conduct or constitution when it comes to electoral uh, processes? Because I think that's the authoritative uh, document that will guide us in terms of uh, those who are not adhering to the processes and the measures that need to be taken against those individuals, Rob. Thanks.